0: AdamandEve.com is the world's number one online source for adult toys. And I'm Horrified is the world's number one source for nightmares, aren't we, Sam? We so are. So, we've
1: joined forces to bring you some sweet deals. Use our offer code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. AdamandEve.com. We're not
0: horrified at all. Murder? Hi, everyone. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another exciting episode of I Am Scared. Nope. I was thinking we could do a reprint. <laughs> no. How do you feel about totally mixing it up? The world is scary.
1: Welcome to I'm Horrified, as it is so named. <laughs> I'm Allie Rayner. And
0: I'm Sam Buntich. And welcome to episode 24. We're so excited to have you guys here with us today. We're thrilled. We're thrilled. Again, our spinoff podcast I would like to do someday we we
1: don't have time to be anything but in a full panic all the time. That's true. Maybe for our one hundredth episode, we'll do one nice thing. Yeah,
0: we're we're thrilled for one episode. Yeah. Then we go right back to being. We horrified. lose all of
1: our subscribers. No, guys, sinus. stick with us. Tell your friends. Sam, what are you gonna talk about? Well, I'm gonna talk about Anna Delvey. Ooh, who is that? I'm gonna talk about Lulu Lemon. I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, we all know. We Imagine
0: all if know. Lululemon was just one person that fucked
1: everything over so much. I would love if any of our listeners didn't know what Lululemon was. Uh. Um, maybe it's possible. We do have, like, a lot of international listeners, which is fabulous, but I'm pretty sure that Lululemon has slithered across the globe. Yeah, I don't know how way. many countries Lululemon is in, Yeah, but it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> and How.
0: So let's just dive in. I want to know who this lady is. Or maybe I don't. Yeah, you'll find out. Uh, So this story of Anna Delvey was all over the news a few months ago and I was riveted. So here I am presenting to you now, Anna Delvey. For your consideration. Oh, I kept saying Delvey. I don't know where I got that from. I don't know. It might be Delvey. I thought it was Delvey. I've never heard it. Okay. So neither of us know. So maybe it's Duvey. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, Colonel or something we couldn't even... Absolutely, exactly. Couldn't even know. Or, like, Worcester. Like, when you just look at the word Worcester, you're like, there's no way. There's no way. All right. So, it's New York City, about five-ish years ago, and there is a socialite on the scene named Anna Delvey. Anna comes onto the scene because she's an intern at Purple Magazine, which is a pretty, like, notable art magazine in the New York socialite circles. And she's soon one of those people who just knows everyone. Everyone knows her. She's at all the parties. We all know that person. Yeah. And, like, in all the articles I've read, people have said, like, well, she was just everywhere. So, like, you just knew her. Or, like, you saw her Instagram and then you met her. Like, you just all... I think just like everyone has that friend. Mine is, um, I'm going to give a
1: shout out here, Anir Martino. (laughs) I was once at a McDonald's (laughs) in Sudbury, Massachusetts at two in the morning and he knew two people. (laughs) It was crazy. He just knows everyone and is friends with them. So like, I just think that there's some like magnetic personalities that just like
0: the gates just open for. Exactly. And that is Anna Delvey. She's, like, really cute. She's got, she's got red hair and this cherubic face and these blue eyes. And her origins are a little mysterious. Like, not too mysterious, but mysterious enough that she's intriguing. Mm. She's from Germany and she's an heiress. She's got this family money that either comes from, like, solar panels or antiques. It's a little general where this money is coming from. But But she's she's fabulous. Yes. And she's always jet-setting around, living in glamorous hotels, Kind of hard to pin down where she's based just because she's always traveling, you know? She's just seeing the world. She's just a child of of the globe. Of luxury. Yeah. And Anna is rich. She is so, so rich that she can pay for literally everything in cash. Um, in the story on Anna from the cut, they talk a lot to this woman, Neff Davis. And she was the concierge at this boutique hotel called Eleven Howard, where Anna was living in 2017, when a lot of the later story happens. And Neff says that anytime Anna needs anything, so, like, anything from, like, can you bring my bags upstairs, can you make me a reservation, like, anything, Neff gets a $100 cash tip. What? No matter what. Um, and Neff realizes that, like, a lot of the time, Anna straight up just wants to chat. She will, like, pull up a chair to the concierge. And she'll be talking about, like, what do you think the hottest club is? Like, what do you think about the socialite person? And Neff realizes, like, Anna knows all this information I'm telling her. She just wants to have someone to talk to. But she, um, she gets, like, this reputation at Eleven Howard as, like, one of the most generous guests. Like, the employees fight to bring her bags upstairs because they know they're going to get this huge cash tip. Yeah, I mean, fair enough.
1: <laughs> Which, I I see nothing wrong here.
0: Yeah. And also, Neff starts to feel like Anna is genuinely her friend. Like, they really are chatting a lot. They're chatting about, like, Neff wants to start a production company and make movies. And Anna's like, You're so brilliant. Like, maybe I could help finance something at some point down the line. And Neff's like, That's amazing. And not only are they friends, but they're friends who Neff gets an outrageous amount of money from. So she's like, Mm -hmm. I love Anna. Um, One story she tells is that at one point, um, Anna brings her to a private coaching session with her life coach/slash trainer. And Neff tags along and then finds out that this session costs $4,500. Oh my God. Which Anna pays in cash right there. So (laughs) the other thing about Anna is she knows everybody. We were talking about this, but when I say everybody, I mean everybody. She's having dinner with Macaulay Culkin. She knows and gets tips from Martin Shkreli, who's the pharma bro, who, um, like, Uh. infamously is a piece of shit. Yep. Who we could do a whole episode on. I know, we'll come back to him. Absolutely. Um, she's notably, he will come back, friends with the dashing young art collector Michael Zufu Huang. Ooh. Um, and they, like, know each other from art circles because, again, like, she's super into art. She used to work for Purple Magazine. And she becomes really good friends with this Vanity Fair employee, Rachel Deloche Williams. And they spend, like, every weekend together. They get breakfast every morning. Like, they are besties, Rachel and Anna. So what is Anna doing in New York? Obviously, she is preparing to launch a business, a Soho House-ish type club focused on art with locations in LA, London, Hong Kong, Dubai, and New York called the Anna Delvey Foundation. Everything in her life is about finding investors for this business. She's hosting business dinners. She's like having these big parties. This is why she's having dinner with Martin Shkreli and Macaulay Culkin is so like she can talk about this art idea she has. And she's actually really close to closing on this building, which is a 45,000 square feet like space called the Church Missions House, which is on Park Avenue. Oy. And it's her dream that the space has like rotating art exhibits. Two floors of hotel rooms, three restaurants, a juice bar, a German bakery, like, just this huge thing. And, like, the New York one will be the first one, and then they'll be all over the world. My, my. And this project will cost about $25 million.
1: Sounds about right.
0: Sounds about correct for all the shit that is going to be in it. And Anna decides that she doesn't really want to have investors because she wants to be able to be her own boss. She's pretty young. She's in her 20s. And she thinks that any investors would try to, like, take the project from her because they wouldn't trust her. So instead, she's working on getting loans for herself from, like, huge banks all over. Which, like, should be pretty easy because she's so rich. These banks that she's applying for loans to obviously want proof that she is good for it. And her lawyer, Andy Lance, said Anna needs the loan because, quote, her personal assets, which are quite substantial, are located outside the U.S. Some of them in trust with UBS outside the U.S., And the money she received would be fully secured by a letter from the Swiss bank. So when bankers ask for these statements, what they get isn't so much a letter from a Swiss bank as it is an email from a random man named Peter Hennick. And it promises a letter on Monday, but it just lists like, here's what Anna's got. $25 million. There you go. Please give her the loan. Love, Peter. (laughs) And then um, at one point, one banker sends an email back that says, "Question: Are you from UBS?" And Anna responds to that saying, "Peter is the head of my family office." So because of kind of this weirdness, no one's giving Anna a loan, and she's starting to get a I little mean, pissed off about it. Fair
1: enough. Why is she pissed off? Just do a loan normally, or can't she? Well, it's just shouldn't it
0: all work out? You know, she's she's good for it. I assume. She's, so she's now, like, getting frustrated. She's on the phone with lawyers constantly. Her friends are, like, noticing that she's getting more and more annoyed. But as she's having this money trouble for her business, she's also starting to have a personal cash flow problem. Oh. We'll start with her friend, the handsome art collector, Michael Zufu Wang. Anna suggests that they should go together to Venice. She then says, can you put the plane tickets and hotel on your credit card and I'll reimburse you. And Michael's like, that's a little weird, but okay, whatever. Obviously, he is good for it. He's a handsome art collector. Yeah. He has the cash. Michael also notices that the whole time they're in Venice, Anna only pays with cash for anything. It's all cash. And then once they get back to the States, it seems like Anna just like totally spaces and doesn't pay him back. And he says, "quote It was not a lot of money, like two or three thousand dollars." Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> so he just kind of forgets about it. Well, yeah. If I was like a rich, fabulous art collector, I'd just be like, "Oh, no problem." You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like like I always have a rule with you and and our other roommate Becky, where like if I've bought you something and it's less than twenty bucks, I'm just kind of like, "It's fine." Yeah. Feel no need to Venmo me $5. You are my soul sister. Yeah. Don't you'll, worry about it. You'll obviously get me back at some later
1: time. Yeah. We're good. So for them, that's like two or four grand. Yeah.
0: That's exactly. It's like, I'm not going to trouble you yeah. for
1: four grand. You'll get
0: me back at some point. Absolutely. The following January after this trip to Venice, Anna hires a PR firm to put together a birthday party for her at one of her favorite restaurants, Sadell's in Soho. And Michael comes to the party and he kind of remembers that Anna owes him money for this Venice trip, but he's just not that bothered since they're such good friends. And they're such good friends, in fact, that while they're at the party, they obviously take a ton of photos together and put them on Instagram and tag each other. Because they've tagged each other, a few days later, the restaurant messages Michael on Instagram because they've noticed that, like, oh, this man knows Anna. And they're just wondering if he happens to have any of her contact information. Because the thing is, she didn't actually pay her bill. Oh. Michael immediately realizes, quote, oh my god, she is not legit. This is, I'm shutting it down. Exactly. So now he's in a place where he realizes this. We now move on to- He's patient zero in a zero. Honestly. We now move on to her friend, Neff, who is the concierge at the hotel she lives at, Eleven Howard. Neff is realizing that some parts of Anna's story just don't make sense. Like why is she only living in one of the moderately nice rooms instead of a deluxe suite? Cause she says she does all this business with the hotel owner. Why wouldn't the owner upgrade her room? Later Neff and Anna go out to dinner and they have about a $300 bill at the end of it, which is small for Anna, but big for Neff. Weirdly, Anna's credit card just keeps getting depl- declined. So Anna then pulls out a little black book filled with credit card numbers. And has the waiter try every one of them. And every one of them gets declined. Mm. Poor Neff is stuck with the bill. And this obviously leads a bad taste in her mouth. But the next day, Anna pays Neff back triple and in cash. So she had to charge this $300 dinner. But the next day, Anna's like, I am so sorry about that. Here's $900. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Right? If your friend did that, you'd be like, It's fine. Okay. I'm fine with that. Okay. Clearly you were good for it, and it was just something weird that happened. Then it gets awkward for Neff, because her boss tells her that they actually don't have a credit card on file for Anna, and they need one. Apparently, because the hotel had been so new when she arrived, and because she was staying for such a long time, and she was such a valued guest, the hotel had said, okay, well, we can accept a wire transfer at first. But a month and a half later, there has been no wire transfer, and Anna owes the hotel
1: $30,000.
0: <gasps> Anna keeps promising a wire transfer, and it but it keeps not coming. And it really seems like she is about to be locked out of her room at 11 Howard. Then suddenly, a miracle. The hotel actually receives the wire transfer they had been promised for $30,000. Anna's set. She's back in the clear. But they say, okay, now we really need a working credit card on file for you so this doesn't happen again. And Anna just, like, won't give them one. But while this is happening, she's still buying Neff bottles of Dom Perignon and $400 t-shirts. So Neff is like, there is some disconnection here. Yeah, it's like, just give them a credit card. Just give them a credit card. Just do it. You can pay for all this shit for me. What is your problem? Finally, The hotel goes through with their threats and they lock Anna out of her rooms until she's willing to, like, either put a credit card on file or move out. Anna is furious and she tells Neff that she's going to buy web domains in all the managers' names and ruin them, (gasps) which is hilarious to me. She says she learns that from from Martin Shkreli. (laughs) Oh my god, that's about right. Just a fun fact in this case. (laughs) Um, But she says first she's going on vacation to Marrakesh. And as soon as she gets back from her Marrakesh vacation, the hotel is in for a world of hurt. And Neff is like, okay, I am very suspicious of you now, but okay, have fun in Marrakesh. Yeah, I mean, like, she's clearly a bad person, but that's mood.
1: (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) When I get back from Marrakesh,
0: (laughs) I'm really gonna fuck you up with these web domains I purchased in your name. This brings us to Anna's best friend, Vanity Fair employee Rachel Deloche Williams. Rachel works in, like, the photo department of Vanity Fair. They had met in 2016 in like the fashionable circles of New York's young people. and Rachel found Anna really intriguing. I mean she's this heiress. she's from Germany. She has this really ambitious idea for this crazy art club thing. And she wants to be Rachel's friend. Rachel's like, that's really cool. Yeah. And they literally like they hang out almost every morning, they talk every night, like they're very close friends. And like with all of her other friends, Anna pays for like everything. And Rachel's like, that's a really nice bonus of this friendship, is like, I get to go to these fancy restaurants and these cool clubs, and Anna will just pay for bottle service and dinner. That's great. So one day, Anna says to Rachel that she has to leave the country for a little while to reset her visa, because she's a citizen of Germany. She can't stay in America for that long. And she's like, we should treat it like a vacation. Let's go somewhere warm. And Rachel's like, yeah, we could get, like, probably a good deal in the Dominican Republic or something. And Rachel's like, no, we're going to go to Marrakesh. Again? No, this is the Marrakesh trip. this is, the, oh, Marrakesh this is trip. the Marrakesh trip. Got it. This is the Marrakesh trip. So Rachel is game. Anna books this luxury resort called La Mamounia, a five-star luxury resort, ranked among the best in the world. Ooh. And Anna knows it's totally out of Rachel's budget, so she offers to cover Rachel's flights, the hotel, and all of her expenses. And she ends up renting this 7000 a night private Moroccan villa with interior courtyard, three bedrooms, and a pool. I'm in. And she just says like, Rachel, I know this is out of your budget, so I'll just cover it for you. And Rachel's like, all right, I'm game. Ugh, you've never done anything for me, Sam. I know. I'm <laughs> um, so we're going to Mericrash and it's going to be Rachel, Anna, Anna's personal trainer slash life coach. Boy. And a mutual friend who is a photographer and is who, who who is going to document the trip because Anna's thinking about like making a documentary about her art club thing. And she's like, let's get used to having a camera around. That'll be fun. And Rachel's like, weird, but fine. Okay. <laughs> Works for me. Of course, as they're finalizing the details of this trip, there's a little problem with Anna's credit card. And she can't put the plane tickets on it. So Rachel's like, okay, I'll just put the plane tickets on my work Amex because you're going to pay me back, Anna. And Anna's like, oh my God. Oh if, my God. Why of would do that? Of course I'm going to pay you back. I've paid for everything in our whole relationship. And look at all this cash I have. Yeah. Of course I'll pay you back for these tickets. And Rachel's like, yeah, no big deal. They arrive at Marrakesh. It's gorgeous. It's glamorous. Their room is amazing. Their room. Their villa. Their, like, small house. And they're going shopping in the bazaar. And Anna decides that she wants to buy a caftan. And she buys two caftans for herself. And then she's like, And Rachel, I would love to buy you a caftan. And Rachel's like, sick. (laughs) Heck yeah. Hell yeah. Buy me a caftan. Of course, she's trying to purchase these three custom caftans. And her card is declined. And Rachel's like, Anna, oh, did you, um, did you tell the bank you would be traveling? And Anna's like, oh, I didn't. That must be why. Because I just forgot to tell the bank. And sometimes the bank shuts down your card when you're in a different country and they didn't know. that happened to me in Amsterdam. Absolutely. And very normal. So Rachel pays for the caftans and she pays for dinner that night and she's keeping the receipts because she's just like, and I'll just give them to Anna and Anna will pay me right back. Not a big deal. It just keeps getting weirder, though. Because practically every time they walk through the lobby, hotel employees call Anna over, are furiously talking with her, and she leaves annoyed. And this happens like three or four times that they're like, oh, Miss Delby, Miss Delby, before you leave, wait, come back, talk to us. And Anna like angrily is talking to them and texting on her phone. And then she's like, well, I'll be back later and we'll figure this out. And storms off. And so Anna's just like, oh, they're just incompetent. Right. But it just keeps happening. And at one point, one of the, well, this is happening, one of the employees lets it slip to Rachel that someone has been fired over their reservation because apparently it is policy to have a working credit card on file before a stay. Oh no. And Anna has not provided one. So that's why they keep saying, Miss Delvey, we need a credit card from you. And she keeps being like, yeah, I'm going out to lunch and I'll give you one when I come back. Obviously. Miss Delvey, you're back. We need a credit card from you. Yeah, it's in my room. I'll go and get it. And when I leave for dinner... I will give it to you (laughs) and now I'm going out for dinner so like I I can't I can't right now I'll give it to you when I come back tomorrow or something (laughs) why don't I travel like this (laughs) amen Anna's really got it so during all of this Anna's um personal trainer slash life coach has come down with like a bad stomach bug which sucks oh no and so she's like can I go home a day early I deeply don't want to be in Marrakesh (laughs) like I feel so sick and Rachel's like, oh, holy shit, of course. And they book, you know, a plane for her. And she calls down to the lobby and says, hey, can we um, have a cab to the airport? But instead of doing that, the hotel security shows up and says, no one can leave until this credit card problem is figured out. You guys cannot go to the airport. And they're trying to explain, like, it's only one of us is trying to leave. She's sick. She wants to go back home. Like, can you just let, her? we're not all trying to leave. And the security's like, she can go, but the uh, we're not leaving this room until we figure this out. So they are like at a standstill. Anna is just like staring off into space now, not even furiously texting and calling people. And security's like, "We just need a card on file. We don't have to charge it, but we need a working credit card on file before we leave this room." <laughs> like we were yeah. we're not willing to wait any longer. Rachel is feeling a lot of pressure now because Anna's not doing anything and the security saying we won't charge it we just need a card we just need a card from you just give us a card and Rachel finally goes fine I will put my card down my work Amex don't charge it but it's a working card and then can you leave our room and let us leave and the hotel security is like fine they leave Marrakesh the next day and Anna says to Rachel thank you so much I will wire you that reimbursement. So what that means is that, of course, Rachel's card is going to be charged. And Anna is just promising to reimburse her for it. And Rachel's card ends up getting charged (gasps) $62,000, which is more than Rachel makes in a year. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe she has that big of a limit on her work, Annex. She works for Vanity Fair. Oh, that's true. But still, like... obviously she could only have made that work because she had a work Amex. Yeah. And she's now like, oh, so, so my card is going to be charged and you're just promising. And of course, Anna's like, oh, why are you 70,000? Because I owe you 62. Easy peasy. Right. And so like, it's, so she-
1: Oh my God, please tell me she does it. So Oh my god, I'm freaking out now. Rachel
0: wrote an article for Vanity Fair all about the, all of this. <laughs> and Vanity Fair is like, we love this article, we'll pick up this tab. Exactly. And so she's like, my full-time job became following Anna around, begging her to pay me back. So she's like, I would, she lists like two d- specific days. She's like, I went to Anna's apartment at 8am. I went up to her room. I said, hi, I'm here. And Anna had said like, oh, I have a cashier's check for you. So she showed up unannounced and was like, hi, I'm here. You just said you had that cashier's check. Can you just give it to me? And so Anna's like, oh, yeah, sit down. And it, and Rachel's like, no, I don't have to sit down. I'll just wait. You go get the cashier's check that you said you have for me and I'll just go. And then I'll see you tomorrow for brunch. But I need that check. And so I'm so anxious right now. So, so Anna's like looking all over the room, looking in piles of paper. And she goes, oh, you know what happened? I left it in my rental car. So I'll have to call the rental car place. And Rachel's like, okay, I'll wait while you call the rental car place. And Anna's like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll call the rental car place then. Here I go. I'm going to call them. Calls them. No record of the check. Oh, well, then it must be with my lawyer. So I'll talk to my lawyer about it. Great. I'll stay right here. Call your lawyer. Go, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) And it becomes poor Rachel's full-time job. But Anna just keeps pushing her off. We're seeing a pattern here. Anna always has cash, but never working credit cards. She can be so generous, but she expects her friends to then cover her when something goes wrong. And she blames hotel staff when in reality she is breaking their policy. Anna is not an heiress. She is a scammer. (gasps) Big time. She's not even German, which is a fun fact. Oh my God, what? (laughs) Back to poor Rachel. She's begging Anna for anything and finally realizing that something is not right. And the more she digs into Anna's story, the more she is coming up with nothing. Then Anna gets kicked out of the latest hotel. So she's already been kicked out of Eleven Howard, where Neff works. Now she's kicked out of this new hotel she was staying at, the Beekman. And she shows up on Rachel's doorstep. And Rachel lets her sleep in her house on her couch for one night. Rachel! But then, like, kicks her out and starts looking into filing charges against her. Yeah! And Rachel and the personal trainer slash life coach end up having, like, what is basically an intervention. And they're like, you've been bouncing between our two couches... We want to help you, but you obviously something is up. You must be honest with us. And Anna is like, it's not my fault. Like, it's the bank. I I don't know why this is wrong. It's not me. And they're just both like, fuck. So that night, Rachel goes home and calls the district attorney and says, I think there's this woman named Anna Delvey and she's a con artist. And they like 10 minutes later call her back. (laughs) She gets a call that says like district attorney. And she's like, oh, holy shit. And answers it. And they go, we think you're right. Turns out, Anna Delvey is actually Anna Sorokin. She's born in Russia, not Germany, and she didn't come from money at all. Um, A fun fact is that a lot of, like, she told people she was from Germany, and then people would try to speak German to her, and her German was just not good. So people were always like, weird. Weird that you're from Germany, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it just, like, never came up again. So, um, she's a subject of a huge criminal investigation, because not only has she sniffed Rachel... But the Beekman Hotel where she was staying, she owes them $11,000. And a man named Mark Kremers, who had been designing all of the branding for her art organization, she owes £16,000. The way that Anna did this is this wild tapestry of facts and figures that I really couldn't wrap my head around, like, until I read this next section of Sweet Rachel's article for Vanity Fair. So I'm about to read you, like, three paragraphs from this article, because, like, to get an idea of what... Anna was doing and like the scope and the balls that she was juggling i it, this is just the best way to do it so here we go let's go oh uh, let's do it Whew. anna falsified documents from international banks showing accounts abroad with a total balance of approximately 60 million dollars she took those documents to city national bank in an attempt to secure a 22 million dollar loan for the creation of her art foundation and private club When City National Bank denied the loan, she showed those same falsified documents to Fortress Investment Group. Fortress agreed to consider the loan if Anna provided $100,000 to cover legal and due diligence expenses. So then Anna goes back to City National Bank to secure a $100,000 loan to pay Fortress to give her a bigger loan by convincing a bank representative to let her overdraft her account. And she allegedly promised the bank that she would wire the fund shortly to cover the overdraft of familiar tune. She then gave the borrowed money to Fortress so they could start looking into her so they could give her this $22 million loan. As of February Fortress had used approximately $45,000 of that $100,000 deposit to attempt to verify Anna's assets. But at this point, Anna backs out. She told Rachel that, so this is Rachel saying it, she told me that her father had gotten wind of the deal and didn't like the terms. In reality, they were sending, like, guards to Swiss banks, saying, hi, we are looking into Anna Delvey, can you show me her assets? And it freaked Anna out. Right. So she was like, never mind, Fortress, don't keep looking into me. She withdrew herself from consideration and kept the remaining 55000 from the city national bank loan, which Fortress returned. Apparently, that is how she paid for her lifestyle. That's the $30,000 that finally got to Eleven Howard after they thought it wouldn't. Okay. That's the dinners, the personal training sessions, all the shopping. It's from that fifty-five that she got back from Fortress. Okay, I'm there. I get it. Between April 7th and April 11th, Anna allegedly deposited $160,000 in bad checks into her Citibank account, and then transferred 70000 of that before the checks bounced. Um, she had had a private plane chartered for her for like $35,000 that she just never paid back. And then in August, she opened an account with Signature Bank and deposited $15,000 in bad checks and was able to withdraw 8000 in cash before the account was closed because of the bad checks. My head is spinning. Yeah, so it's literally, I'm exhausted just reading that. But like, that's how she was maintaining her lifestyle is a constant juggling of yeah. kind of similar. robbing to, peter to pay paul literally yeah. kind of similar to the pyramid schemes that yeah, you're talking yeah, yeah. about
1: taking a little here to pay you to back pay the person who you just borrowed from and then saying oh
0: i'll yeah and then i have back. to i'll pay you back by doing this right and um, they like the kind of scam this is is called a confidence game which is just like appearing <laughs> like literally appearing yep. so confident that people are like yeah that sounds legit Especially, like,
1: if you have this tiny, beautiful girl who's just like, oh, I'm an heiress, I'll pay you back. And everyone's like, of
0: course. And especially if, most of the time, she's always paying for things with outrageous amounts of cash. Yeah, it's true. Like, why wouldn't you think that she would pay you back? So, Anne is now sitting on Riker's awaiting trial. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Um, And it seems like she's going to be there for a long time. The thing that she gets maddest about, she knows that there's been, like, a lot of press coverage around her, and the thing that she's maddest about is, like, she was actually very serious about the art foundation, and she's mad when people, like, imply that she wasn't. She's like, I was, like, I was really going to make that art foundation happen. Okay, sweetheart. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay. They're like, yeah, that's really not the <laughs> That's point, not the point, but But cool. thank you. Who knows if the, any of the people she scammed will ever get their money back? Especially poor Rachel. Rachel! And I am horrified. Oh! <laughs> what a ride! So that's the story of Anna Delvey. Just, like, the level of cojones that this woman had. The level of, like... Yeah. Just... She just was, like... If you just put on a bold face... Yeah.
1: It'll all you work out. Get. And it won't work out eventually, I guess, is the... Yeah. ...is the moral of that story. Yeah. We're not like... telling you guys, like, you know what, you guys? You can racketeer your
0: little butts off... <laughs> If you believe in yourself. Believe in yourself, but not about that. All right. So that's this. We're get- So this is what I would call um, white nonsense. But I think we're about to get to some even deeper white nonsense. I think we're about to get to
1: the pinnacle
0: of white nonsense. I'm thrilled. And that, my friends,
1: is Lululemon. Woo! I have split this saga into three parts so that I can handle it. <laughs> um, so let's just do it. Part yes. one. This has nothing to do with yoga, does it? Um, so, Lululemon Athletica Incorporated, known as Lululemon, is a Canadian athletic apparel retailer that was founded in 1998 by Chip Wilson. So, that sentence may not sound like much, but there is so much to unpack there. Oh my God. Yeah, to me, that just sounded like a few facts. Yeah, just a fact. But that just splinters off into so much crazy. Um, where to begin? So, just a little background. Initially, when it began in Vancouver, it was a design studio by day and a yoga studio by night with this, like, yoga nut Chip Wilson, who, like, was, you know, popular in Vancouver. And eventually, they started opening brick-and-mortar stores around Canada, and then eventually the U.S., as well as other international locations. In 2007, they went public, and they reported $1.8 billion for 2014's annual net earnings. Holy shit. That's a lot. From the early to mid 2010s, they were just exploding everywhere and becoming a household commodity for white stay at home moms everywhere. And isn't that the American dream? Mm. So, there is a fabulous Jezebel article from 2015 where an employee anonymously sold out all of Lululemon's internal practices while she was still working there. Nice. So, I will definitely link to that. It is from 2015, so time has passed, but this is what was kind of happening in its heyday. So, she dove into like how people work together and, like, how staff is trained and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So the sales associates are called educators. Mm. So they're not selling you anything. No, they're just educating they you. They are merely educating you. About and doesn't how you that these dumb leggings. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't that sound like a shitty pickup line from, like, like a frat guy <laughs> who's hitting on you at a party? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not hitting on you. I'm just, like, educating you about my penis. Ugh. Um blah, ah. Um, I don't want anyone to educate me, least of all when I'm shopping. And so, everything related to Lululemon rules and regulations is related in some way to yoga in a very colonizing and bastardized fashion. Sounds so right. So, like, yeah, their employee regulations book is called Pramana, which is a Sanskrit word that could mean knowledge. So they were like, oh, it's a, it's the word for knowledge, so we're going to call, like, our guidelines like prana. But really, the definition of prana is deeper than that, and it's its true meaning is, like, the knowledge that you can only gain from yourself and your own personal experience. <laughs> so it makes no sense for a book of rules to have uh, that name. Least of all, a book of rules given to you by a leggings franchise. Amen. <laughs> Their anti-theft guidelines are called astaya, which again, kind of means non-stealing, but, like, do you need to co-opt another language and culture in order to tell your employees, like, not to lift handbags? Yeah, just you say, know? like,
0: our policy is don't steal.
1: Yeah, like, it's not vital Yeah, to the success of your brand, but maybe it is. I don't know. I don't think it is. Um, Chip Wilson would say otherwise. He's gross. and not even there yet. So this source also describes the company culture as being extremely involved in each other's personal lives. So they're all expected to exercise together and they're expected to exercise constantly to the point where if you're not exercising or if you don't talk about exercising as much or if you skip a day, your managers and your fellow employees will talk to you about it in terms of your performance.
0: Ooh, I hate that. Which is horrific. That feels um, very, like, unethical. Yeah.
1: And they put their personal goals up, like, on a board in mm-hmm. the store for everyone to see. Like, not their work goals, like, their personal goals for their personal lives, which I find intrusive. Yeah. But, like, all of this is, like, okay, like, that's a little much, mm-hmm. but fine. Um, One of the creepier things that she outlined was the company's stance on personal choice. So, like, if someone is rude to you, which happens a lot in retail, because I used to work in retail, Mm -hmm. it's your choice to be offended. You're choosing to let something affect you. And if you have a problem with a rule or if you don't think something's appropriate, you know, interpersonally at work... You're choosing that. You're choosing to be upset by that. That's such fucking garbage. Yeah, I'm sorry. Complete
0: That's just like bullshit to me. That's just like people who like offend you and then say, I'm sorry you were offended. Like <laughs> Fuck
1: off. Fuck right off.
0: You offended me,
1: it yeah. happened. But yeah, I can't even with that. Especially for like a hippie to be yoga place, which is yeah. supposed to be like, in my opinion, it would be like feel your feelings yes. in there you know, authentic terms. I would think
0: have, like, like personal... No,
1: but that is not the way that it is for reasons that are very specific that I will get to in part two. So, like, this woman who wrote the article said that a customer spit on her during a shift (gasps) and she was chastised by her manager because she chose to be upset about it. And I was like, I'm now gonna choose to... Quit this job. Yeah. Thank you. One employee went to a yoga class during a training retreat, broke her rib, and was denied workers' comp because it was her choice to be there. What?
0: What? But you have to take yoga classes because they yell at you if you do not exercise. Literally, yeah,
1: because you're expected to participate in absolutely everything that's going on in the store. Otherwise, your personality and work ethic are questioned as part of your performance. So this is not to mention that they routinely underpay and underschedule their employees. They do not have benefits that are conducive to, say, like, a working mother or supporting a family. It's not part of, like, the Lululemon brand, Mm. which is gross. And so the thing is, like, that's not necessarily... Just Lululemon, though. Like, we'll chalk that up to how fucking horrifying American labor is in general. Yeah,
0: capitalism. I'm yeah. horrified.
1: Yeah, I'm horrified. So the other thing that they have is they're... In their guidelines, they have this aspirational customer. Well, there's two. There's, like, a male customer and a female customer that are purely inspirational. Mm-hmm. And they're, like... Personified vision boards of who they're serving, who the Lululemon brand is serving. Oh, okay, okay. And their names are Duke and Ocean.
0: Um, do you know that sketch from SNL where it's um Jason Sudeikis and Kristen Wiig, and they're like the asshole couple? Yes. And like he's got a Bluetooth thing, and she's got like three pairs of sunglasses on yeah, her head. Yeah, that's and it's Duke and Ocean. Gum. That's Duke and Ocean.
1: So they're these fictional characters that every item and aesthetic is geared towards, and like Ocean is just this beautiful. Yoga nut who makes six figures, doesn't want kids, and, like, juices all the time. And what, I'm sure. What does she do to make six figures? Oh, that's not important. Okay. But I'm sure that her vagina is hairless. Mm. Like a beautiful crystal ball. Absolutely.
0: And she vajazzles, but... Yeah, like, but, but, but with, tastefully. But with crystals. not Absolutely. with Not with, like, sequins, with, like, rose quartz. She loves goop. Yes. Like, everything Gwyneth
1: Paltrow tells her to do. Absolutely. And like, her hair is never frizzy somehow. Somehow. But it's always,
0: like, flat, but in a hot way. Yeah. I hate her. <sighs> what about Duke? What's Duke like? I didn't say. <laughs> He's just a man. All men are perfect.
1: <laughs> a pure monster, I'm assuming. Ugh. Um, also, I just found this hysterical. Um, there was a controversy a while back when they were selling clothes... That were apparently made from seaweed that had healing and detoxifying properties, mm-hmm. which, like, okay, so they were like, you know, an extra $100 or whatever. And then someone tested the clothes and was like, there's no seaweed in here, <laughs> <laughs> which I just find hysterical. I, I love, love that. that. So now we're at part two. And part two is titled Lulu Libertarian, subtitled Why is Ayn Rand even involved in this? My God. <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind. So, for the next part, I'm going to have to introduce you to Chip Wilson, and I'm so sorry. I'd rather not, but okay. Yeah, so first of all, Sam, tell me who you think Chip Wilson is just based off that name. Give so, me characteristics based off of the so name here's Chip Wilson. What
0: I have to say is I've seen images of Chip Wilson in you my have? life. Okay. Yes.
1: And he looks like you'd think he would. Absolutely true. You That's know exactly what, I mean? what I'd say. So you know what? We're gonna move on. You all get it. He's got the blonde. He's like semi Bieber. Yeah. So he is just garbage. Lululemon sprang from his mind like Athena from the cranium of Zeus. Mm. All right. And here are some horrific quotes from this garbage person. <laughs> oh God. The first one is about he's talked about birth control negatively. Like, a lot of times, not about... But he he doesn't want you to have kids. No, 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 but it's not about contraception in terms of having children. It's about, like, what the pill does to women and women's bodies, which, like, get so far away from my body. Yeah. Quote, women's lives changed immediately after the pill. Men did not know how to relate to the new female, and thus came the era of divorces. That doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to keep going on. Yeah, I hate him. He infamously stated that some women's bodies uh, just weren't for lulu women when people complained that the hundred dollar pants were almost completely see-through so he's basically saying like well you know some people are stretching them a little too much because these leggings aren't for everybody um which is just fat shaming
0: nonsense as a marketing person why would you want to say my pants aren't for everyone well yeah and
1: that reminds me of the ceo of hollister do you remember him and he said something like he didn't want fat people wearing Hollister because it like diluted their brand. Ugh. Like, as if I want to shove my beautiful thick thighs into your disgusting shorts. Amen. You are not worthy. It's too dark in your stores. <laughs> <laughs> Old man yelling at Cloud. Okay. <laughs> it's too dark. I remember once, quick anecdote. <laughs> One time, my father took us shopping. He took me and my brother shopping. I think my mom was maybe like, out of the state because <laughs> he was taking us back to school shopping. And we were both like, yeah, we want to go to Hollister, which is a place my mom never would have taken us. She would be like, we're going to Old Navy. We're going to get you some sensible jeans. But my dad was just, he mean, he's a dad. He yeah. was just like, yeah, wherever, whatever yeah. you want. It's if fine. this is
0: where you go, fine. Yeah.
1: Is this where your mom, great. And so we go in there and he is just like, his senses are attacked. Yeah. It's, it smells like teeny bopper perfume. Absolutely. It's pitch it's black. pulsating music and it's pitch black. <laughs> and he literally looked at both of us and was like, I'm going to stand out here. Go get whatever you want and just let me know when I can come pay for it. And my brother and I like raced through Hollister <laughs> and like picked up everything. Uh. And we just got like this pile of clothes he just like ran in swiped his credit card and was like we're leaving we're going home this is enough (laughs) and we were like thanks dad (laughs) what a what a treasured memory that is what a beautiful moment but yeah so that's something he said which is gross chip wilson law he also refers to himself in the third person which just no i can't do that
0: but Um, again i've seen photos of him that seems correct
1: yeah absolutely he's that's totally part of the aesthetic that i envision he says things like, sickness is a choice, and one of the Lululemon mantras of the past, because they have this vision board of all their mantras that changes occasionally, was, stress is related to 99% of all illnesses. And I'm no fucking nurse practitioner, but no, it is not. <laughs> no, I would say no. Um, so you know what, that that quote brings me to the Ayn Rand of it all. Oh, God. Um, A lot of their vision board mantras have had weirdly libertarian pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mentalities, and themes behind them, and that's something that people kind of slowly started noticing. Yeah. And then they straight up had a tote bag that they were selling that had a quote from Atlas Shrugged on it. What was the quote? It was, like, a very obscure quote. I can't even remember (laughs) what it was, and it wasn't even, like, love your neighbors. It was, like, a very obscure, particular, like, libertarian inside joke. And Atlas Shrugged is part of their core library, which is, like, books that employees are encouraged to read to better themselves, which really just leads me to, like, leads me to think about what else is in that library.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see the whole library. I would love library. to see that
1: library. Ann Coulter, maybe? Mm. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, Another stupid thing that Chip Wilson believes that I find hysterical <laughs> is that all employees should ask their own bosses this question. Are you ready for it? Yes. Twelve people have been shipwrecked on a desert island. There is one boat that will hold six people. And if the six people work perfectly as a team, they have a 10% chance of survival. The people left behind will perish. Would you take me? And if yes, why? And if not, why?
0: I would never want to ask my boss that. I never want to ask anyone that. And also that's a stupid question. <laughs>
1: so that's all like murky, murky, murky. So that brings us to part three. (gasps) Murder? What? So we probably all know about this. I do know about this, but I got I want to hear about it. There is a Lululemon murder, and I'm not going to go into inordinate detail on it. My Favorite Murder does a fabulous job covering the whole murder. I will leave it to them, but I just wanted to touch on it because it is wild. Um, On March 12, 2011, a Lulu employee opened their store at like 8 a.m. to hear moaning coming from the back room. She went back there to find the deceased body of Jana Murray and the bloodied and bruised, but still alive, Brittany Norwood. Norwood described that two intruders came into the store, assaulted both of them, and then violently murdered Jana and left her for dead as well. Oh my god. So at first, it's just like this freak, violent murder. It's like horrifying, unspeakable, and everyone is like, how could this happen? It's so crazy, poor Brittany, all this stuff. And then, as investigations move forward, things start looking kind of fishy. Oh no. Her wounds heal almost immediately and they're not that severe, whereas Jaina was violently stabbed to death. And then they find Brittany's DNA in Jaina's car. Oh no. So they were like, why were you at her car when you said that you didn't even leave the store? And then she's like, oh, I remember the masked people, like, after they murdered Jaina, they said that, like, we had to move her car and they forced me to move her car. And they were like, okay. <laughs> Why didn't you mention that at first? Um, so it becomes clear that what actually happened is that Brittany murdered Jaina, possibly over an altercation about Brittany supposedly stealing a pair of shorts, though there's, I guess, no real way to tell if yeah. that's true or not. But either way, Brittany super overreacted because she stabbed Jaina 331 times. Excuse me? 331 times. I'm horrified. What 5331. There, are you sure you didn't type three no, two twice? No, three, three, no. 331. 331 times. Fuck. With five separate weapons. What? All tools from the back storeroom. What the fuck? Why did she have to switch weapons? So More like, than once. All that other stuff I was talking about, like, that is horrifying. But, like, any place in which you could stab another human being 331 times, I don't care if it's Disneyland, that place has something wrong with it. Yeah. Um, and There's I don't know if that has anything there, to yeah. do with Ayn Rand, but it might. It, I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not saying it doesn't. Um, so yeah, she basically murdered this woman violently and then, like, gave herself artificial wounds and tied herself up to make it look like intruders. And so that's not a foolproof way of getting into murder, you guys, listeners. Mm. If you're planning a murder right now, it's just not worth it. Take all of that energy Plan yourself a nice tropical vacation instead. Yeah, or take up knitting. Yeah, a new hobby. Do something else. Don't murder anyone in a Lululemon. You're welcome. So that's kind of it. Am I overreacting? Are these just like overpriced leggings, and I'm a big weenie? Like, no. What do you
0: think? No, I mean, because Chip Wilson's so gross. Like, that's the thing. There's a there's a world where this company was started by a very boring person, and And it's just like a classic appropriation. Yeah, there's just some you know you know yoga to make leggings. Yeah, and they're
1: too expensive. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, you know? It's not fine, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's normal. You're saying it's fine in the way that we all know is not fine. <laughs> yes. What I'm saying is that's the norm. <laughs> yeah, that's the norm.
0: <laughs> but he sucks so bad and is putting so many weird ideologies into this company, like, it becomes just more toxic and weirder and the kind of place you would yeah. murder your co-worker over some shorts. And them. I think
1: the other thing that I found horrifying about this is how well, a finely tuned aesthetic can camouflage anything. Yes. You know, like, the kind of people who are drawn to Lululemon, a lot of the times to work, they're younger, they're kind of, like, hippy-dippy, they're hipsters, like, oftentimes they are, like, appropriate of white people. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them are very, like, progressive and very much, like, peace and love and be kind to everyone. And on the outside, like, that's exactly what it means. It's, like, be kind to each other. You know, friendship is more important than money is a big one of their mantras, but because the aesthetic is so finely tuned, like you get pulled in and then you're like, oh well, like, you know, being your own advocate is part of that whole thing too. And then all this like fucking crazy libertarian nonsense starts seeping into it. Yeah. You just thought you were selling nice happy leggings. No, you weren't. You weren't. You never are.
0: And that's what we got. Um both of these scenarios are just worst case. Worst case. And thank At least you guys
1: for Anna Delvey didn't stab somebody 300
0: times. Yeah, there, there's no murder in the story. You might have thought there was gonna be, but there was none. Cautiously optimistic about that. Yeah, and hopefully she'll never murder anyone because she's in jail now. Dare to dream. <laughs> okay, stay horrified. Stay horrified. <laughs>